Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor, and we hope that all of our listeners are staying safe and healthy. I am continuing to record from my home office, and today we're coming to you with a very timely episode. Many regions of the U.S. and also organizations, both large and small, are looking forward to reopening, but they want to ensure that they're doing so in a way that will protect the health and safety of employees. So on this episode of EHS on Tap, we're going to be discussing the National Safety Council's recently launched Safe Actions for Employee Returns, or SAFER, task force with none other than the president and CEO of the NSC herself, Lorraine M. Martin. Now, Lorraine has a very long and impressive resume beyond president and CEO of the NSC, including such roles as U.S. Air Force officer, executive vice president and deputy of Rotary and Mission Systems at Lockheed Martin, and co-founder and president of the nonprofit Pegasus Springs Foundation. So we're very excited to have you here, Lorraine, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk about these important issues on EHS on Tap. Well, thank you for having me back. Absolutely. It's great to have you. Uh, So to start off, could you give us some background on the SAFER task force? What is SAFER and what are its main goals? Yeah, and thank you for asking. Um, SAFER was started by the National Safety Council just a few weeks back when it became really clear that, as you've shared, um, industry would need to start to come back online in in various different forms and different speeds and in different um, uh, timelines across our nation. Uh, So we formed a task force and an initiative to really help gather all of the best practices from across Fortune 500 companies, leading safety organizations, government agency, public health entities, to bring all of that together so we could aggregate it for organizations to have sort of a one-stop shop of getting the best advice, guidance, protocols, toolkits uh, for helping them uh, navigate this. Um, There are a lot of folks that operate globally, um, uh, large global international companies that have had to go through some of these things in China, in in France, in Italy. And instead of having everyone have to do trial and error to find our way through what works and how to do it, we felt it was really important that we get all of those best practices together and make them available. And it's been amazing to see um, all of the, the sources of this information have just said, I've got a playbook. You can have it. Use the best pieces of it. I don't consider this proprietary. I hope we can help others. It's been amazing. That's great. So you mentioned all these companies. What companies and organizations have joined the SAFER task force? And what actions do these organizations take in support of the goals of SAFER? Yeah. So the first and foremost is to to provide us their best practices. So that's their first action. And I'll talk about Mm -hmm. you in a moment. Um, But it's a lot of the, the big household names. We've got over 70 Uh, organizations now um, from industry and leading safety experts. Uh, Some of the government organizations are participating and supporting us as as well, uh, like the CDC, NIOSH. Uh, We've got the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which can connect into then pretty much all of our industry across uh, the nation. People like U.S. Steel, Mm -hmm. McDonald's, BNSF, um, United Rentals, Cummings, just to name a few. And if, if anyone's interested, they can certainly go on the website. They're all listed there. And we'd still love to have more players if if you're interested in contributing and helping, um, what the, the role is, is first and foremost to, to share best practices as they have them, and then to participate mm-hmm. in our task force as we build sort of a framework and then a set of playbooks um, that can be used by industry as they go to implement all of the protocols and best practices. So these will be sort of 
um, you know, ready to use implementation guides for um, all of the different aspects of the safety issue um, in a workplace. And so the tax force are, are now split up into subgroups and they're working on the products. We put the framework out this week um, and some of the playbooks will now be rolled out um, in, the, in the next two weeks uh, across May and they'll be updated uh, continually as, it, as we get more information. So as of this recording, it's been about two weeks since the task force was first announced. So you've told us a little bit, but what's been accomplished so far and what further action or deliverables, you were talking about playbooks just now, what can we expect in the coming weeks? Yeah, so the first thing that was put out uh, for the community is this overall framework of of looking at all that are needed in, to ensure uh, safe returns of employees. And we need to address some organizations that have gone totally remote, so it's bringing employees back mm-hmm. in a careful way, and then other um, um, industry sectors that have been operating, but perhaps under sort of reduced uh, workload, or perhaps if you think of a restaurant that's doing uh, takeout and delivery now and, and, and has to return to increased operations with dining room uh, support. So it's all of those different sort of operational navigations. But we are specifically looking at a pretty broad set of, of guidelines in the framework, all of the physical environment things like the cleaning and the PPE, as well as mental health related considerations for your employees and your customers, as well as the mm-hmm. considerations having to do with temperature taking and um, other things regarding how we think the disease will progress over time and potentially recur um, and trace testing. So the medical uh, conditions, as well as communications needs, other external factors like transportation related to your to business, people getting to work, um, and then finally employment and HR needs. So we have lawyers and HR professionals um, on the task force as well. So we'll be covering all of those, which is a little broader than what most people think. They think of you know clean the workplace, put the PPE on, which is all required, but there's a lot more to doing this and doing this well in a way that we can continue to keep the economic engine, you know, continu- continuing to roar as opposed to kind of fits and starts. Um, so all of those recommendation areas uh, will be will be uh, further defined into playbooks. And again, those are going to be what we'll be posting over the next couple of weeks. Okay, great. Now, I assume that timelines or protocols for reopening businesses will differ across the country uh, depending on the region or the type of business. Is this assumption accurate? And if so, how do you expect these timelines will differ? That's a great question. And I do think it is it is what everybody is really watching you know, right now because a lot of the decisions now at the state and governor level of what they feel is appropriate for their state for how the disease has progressed of, of where they are and getting to the other side of the the curve as we've all talked about usually in a public safety challenge you want some uniformity and you want you know kind of uh, everyone doing the same thing on the same timetable for preventative efforts this one is going to be a lot more variable and maybe even patchworky depending on what's going on not only in a state but maybe in counties you, you've seen in Illinois uh, mm. where the governor just recently sort of outlined areas of, of the state of how to deal with that because it, it's not all it's not all uniform of how it's even evolved within a state. So uh, some of the retailers are returning, some pickup and delivery services and nurseries. So it, 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 people are being very strategic and specific about what feels right for them now, given given what's going on in their locale, 
and then how that relates to the given businesses and how they operate, which is really appropriate because this uh, we're still learning every day, uh, not only uh, about what what's going on in each location, but specifically how the disease progresses, how it gets transmitted, how we're going to prevent it from recurring. Uh, so much of that is still, I wouldn't say unknown, but still being uh, discovered for us that it is prudent that um, the timelines and the protocols be very specific to not only the industry, but whatever the dynamic is geographically. And that's complicated. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons uh, we will have um, on the website also quite, quite a bit of geographic information for folks over time to be able to see what's going on in each area. There's several places, John Hopkins, others, and we'll try to kind of collate that uh, not only to what's going on, but then what the governors are recommending in those areas to try to really bring all of that together so folks can, can traverse it. Many of our industries, most operate in more than one county, certainly, and many of them in more than one states, and certainly many of them are national-based uh, uh, um, organizations. So they're going to have to be able to navigate this complexity in, in a way that right now seems a little daunting. Yeah, absolutely. So reopening, it's been a subject of sometimes heated debate, but from a from a purely safety standpoint, is the current discussions that we're having focused on the right things? And what's at stake with the decisions that will be made as a result of these discussions? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the beginning of your question. You know, um, it is a heated debate, but it is the right time to be having that debate. The conversation about how to open and, and reopen doors or open them wider if they have been doing business is, is very important to do right now, even if some states mm-hmm. you know, are, aren't at that point, because we need to be able to have you know, the, the come back to work plans in place before we're doing that. Just like you have to have crisis planning uh, for any good uh, preparedness plan in your pocket, ready to go even before the crisis happens. So it is the time to be talking about this. Um, and it's really mm-hmm. important that uh, we look at all of the different aspects of it, as I said before, not just the physical, but the mental and the medical and communications and HR, all of those things need to be um, examined because people's lives are at stake, first and foremost, and then the livelihood, the engine of our economy. And, you know, for EHS professionals, this is one of the first times I think that we've realized that um, safety of, of the employees at work is at the core of our ability for our country and our economy to move forward. And as such, mm-hmm. this is the issue that we need to get to the other side of. And being able to have plans that enable people to come back to work safely is at the core of that. Um, so, you know, BHS professionals <laughs> stand tall. This is this is our moment here to <laughs> really help um, our country, our yep. nation, and, and the people we support. The other thing that I'll say regarding this is we, we a lot of us talk about return to work. And for you and for me, I'm working from home. A lot of mm-hmm. office workers were able to do that. But they're many employees uh, that have been working all the way through this. And we know that our heroes in the medical and health profession, first responders, grocery store workers, to name just a few. And we did a survey early on of all of our members. We have 16,000 members in the National Safety Council. 72% of them still had workers in their traditional work environment doing what they needed to do and had to find a way to do that safely. So it's really important that we understand that, that while we're talking about, you know, return to work, it's also navigating those that are already at work and as this evolves. And I will tell you one of the most important things, and you asked, you know, what are the con- considerations is going to be testing. It's mm. a critical piece of being able to bring employees back, being able to, when something spikes, so we have a recurrence, ha- knowing where it is and how to address it and to roll back and then to roll forward. 
especially since we've now understood from the medical professionals that um, you can be asymptomatic with this, carrying the disease, not know that you're sick. So your temperature or your 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 physical well-being that day really is not an indication of whether or not um, you know you should be safe to come to work for others' safety. So mm. testing is at the core of this. Just recently, um, about 50 companies in the National Safety Council drafted a letter to the uh, White House Task Force, you know, making sure that are on the list of the organizations that will be getting uh, testing kits and understanding whole, how the protocol will work um, as we go forward. Really, really critical uh, to reopen or enabling operations to continue to perform and to extend, extend their operations. All right. Excellent. So when it comes time to reopen those doors, what are the top things that organizations will need to consider? Um, they're really the basics that we've all been learning about um, on the news for those who are operating. And the first and foremost is to make sure that the environment is is safe for them to come to. So stressing the sanita- sanitation activities. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're coming to a workplace um, that's more of an office, conference rooms, cleaning any and, and understanding what you're going to do in the common areas, turnstiles, cafeterias, all really important for us to focus on. And making sure that our employees are still part of this, not only that they feel safe, but that we have the the ability for them to say, I don't feel uh, well, or I have a uh, someone I've interacted with and have the right protocols and policies in place to enable that to be an easy answer for the employee and for the workplace. We're still going to, I'm sure, be restricting travel into high-risk areas, and, and we'll have to navigate that as, as it could be even a national travel, whether you're going to a high-risk uh, county or state, uh, those kinds of mm-hmm. things are going to be us to understand. Um, and then again, just, just looking at your workplace, understanding the physical distancing um, opportunities you have, or if you don't, how you're going to handle that. It's really the basics that people need to have first and foremost. And then after that, other things that we've talked about, like mental health for your employees, your HR policies, and everything that needs to go around that. Great. So you mentioned this a little bit before, you know, this is like the time for EHS professionals to really shine. So how can the EHS professionals in our audience uh, support their employees at this difficult time? And what should they individually do to ensure that when we do return to work, we're returning as safely as possible? Yeah, um, we we are in the thick of this EHS professionals right here, right now. Um, and the first mm-hmm. most that they can do is to be helping their organizations follow the federal guidelines, get on the safer website or whatever resource that they that they can um, find relevant for their business and make sure that they're getting the best possible recommendations for their organizations. Uh, most um, companies right now are having very frequent um, you know, sort of pandemic um, strategy sessions. Mine is daily with my team and my EHS professionals at the table, you know, every day. So mm-hmm. bring your voice. Um, be brave mm-hmm. if, if you need to stand tall on an issue that's going to uh, make sure that your workforce is safe and lead by example by not only following the federal guidelines yourself, but if you're sick or um, if, you, if, if PPE is required for your environments to never not have it and have it on. Um, I, I was laughing with someone the other day when we think about PPE for our profession, everybody knows what that is, you know, steel toed shoes and your safety glasses, and mm-hmm. all those things. Now PPE, every single person in this world, not just the country, knows that term. Um, so leverage 
your best practices of understanding why that's so important and that it's you don't go to a job site without what's deemed appropriate for for the safety of your workforce, including now things like masks and gloves or whatever the environment demands. So make sure that it's on hand. Make sure that if it's not, you know, you're working with your leadership team to get it there. I know that's a challenge for some work environments, um, but uh, make sure uh, one that you lead, that your voice is heard, that you bring you bring all of the years of your expertise of understanding safety and risks and hazards to this public health crisis. Um, and, you know, just know that you also have people to support you, reach out to your professional groups and other um, resources so that you, you can do the best that you possibly can at this, this time when it is our moment to shine. Yes, absolutely. Now we're going to be sure to include a link to the uh, the safer website on the webpage for this episode. Is there anything that you'd like to say about how you can find these resources in addition to, you know, the links that they can find there? Yeah. So nsc.org slash safer is where you're going to find all of these resources. They will continue to be updated daily. Uh, so please continue to revisit um, after you get materials. Not only because we're, we're you know, the task force is creating more materials from all of the best practices, but because things change. Um, we also mm. have a wealth of links to the CDC, World Health Organization, some of the uh, the, the best and and most current uh, recommendations, and that's updated daily as well. So um, I hope that can be a resource to you. And if you have something to add, uh, please make sure there's a place there too to 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 either join the task force if you'd like, or to contribute some materials that you think might help. Uh, the rest of the community. So um, one stop there just uh, to the front door of nsc.org slash safer. All right, great. That's excellent. Thanks so much. Uh, so, you know, let's hope that we find our way back to something that resembles normal, you know, sooner rather than later, but, you know, more importantly, that we're doing so in a in a safe way. So uh, thank you again very much, Lorraine, for being with us today on EHS on Tap. And thank you, and thank you to every EHS professional um, as they're helping us to navigate this. Uh, we, we are indebted to you. A huge thank you. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to keep an eye out for new episodes of our podcast and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest in best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.